everybody. Welcome to the Vegan Sexy Cool Podcast. I am Jackie Reed. I'm celebrating today. Let me tell you, last night I had a moment. I was talking to my mom and she was telling me, you have to listen to the latest episode of Bill Maher. You have to go and watch it. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll get around to it. She's like, no, no. He said something about animals. And my mother knows that I'm vegan. I'm always trying to get her to change the way she eats. But you know, she's been resistant, you know, she's set in her ways. She, she knows how to grocery shop to eat what she wants to eat and loves to eat. And, you know, there's a rhythm in what she does. And it's true for so many of us. So it's hard to get her to change. Um, but I, so I'm all, but I'm always trying, always trying to tell her about animal suffering and how it's better for her health and all those things. Right. So she's telling me, I need to listen to Bill Maher. I need to watch this episode of his show. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And she, goes on. She proceeds to tell me what he was talking about. And then she tells me that she gets what I have been trying to say for so long and that now she is going to actually really try to eat more plant-based. Baby, that's worth celebrating. I could not be happier with that. If you have, so I went and I listened to uh, what Bill Maher actually said, and I was blown away. I want to play it for you here now. New rule, stop trying to get me to watch Tiger King. It's not going to happen. I already have to watch one bottle blonde from reality TV. And the other reason I'm not watching Tiger King while sequestering, because torturing animals is what got us into this mess. That's the lesson. We keep refusing to learn that you can't trash the environment, including animals, and not have it come back and kill you. Two weeks ago, I called out China for reopening their wet markets, and miraculously, people from both sides of the aisle reached out to say, good for you for saying that. Well, here's another hot take that may not be as popular. America's factory farming is just as despicable as a wet market and just as problematic for our health. Factory farms have a lot more lobbyists, but ecological time bombs tick the same. Americans should not get too high and mighty about wet markets while we are doing this. Most, if not all, infectious diseases are zoonotic, meaning they start in animals and jump to humans. AIDS likely came from primates. Someone butchered a monkey or fucked one or something they shouldn't have been doing with a monkey. Mad cow came from cattle, eating cattle, which is like feeding a chicken an omelet. Just two weeks ago, a fatal strain of bird flu was confirmed in a commercial turkey flock in South Carolina. Now, to thwart the coronavirus, we've been told to create distance, avoid others who are sick, lower stress, and exercise. Are you surprised that diseases flourish among animals when they're forced to live in conditions that are the complete opposite of all of that? They're on top of each other, they can't move, they're stressed out. I've seen airports treat luggage better than we treat animals. Egg-laying hens are starved and given no water for weeks to shock their bodies into molting. Beaks of chickens are removed. I could go on. Have you ever driven by a high-density feedlot? Yeesh. To get relief from the stench, you have to stick your nose in an egg salad sandwich. 
If you think the market in Wuhan is gross, you should visit one of our giant poultry processing factories. But of course you can't because we have ag-gag laws that make it a crime to report the crime. And it is a crime of animal abuse that goes on in our food industry. You're worried that the mailman is coronavirus? 80% of pigs have pneumonia when they're slaughtered because we make them live in conditions that would make a zombie vomit. And then, so they don't die before we kill them, pump them full of antibiotics that in turn get passed on to humans. That in turn leads to antibiotic-resistant diseases that in turn leads to us dying from ever-evolving contagions. It's six degrees of tainted bacon. We're on the cusp of returning to a pre-antibiotic era where strep throat was a death sentence. Let me put it as basically as I can. If we keep producing food the way we do, you're going to get sick with something medicine cannot fix. You don't have to care for the sake of the animals. I wouldn't want to mess with anyone's reputation as a heartless asshole. But do it because animal cruelty leads to human catastrophe. Do it because barbecue is why you've been masturbating for a month. And get the fuck away from me with Tiger King. I don't care that he sees the light at the end. So did Darth Vader. There's no such thing as keeping a wild animal pent up, but treating them well. Just as Siegfried and what remains of Roy. Joe Exotic is in prison partly for killing five endangered tigers, which are endangered because of people like him. I don't get why the woke left loves this show so much and isn't on this guy like pink sequins. People should take their meandering outrage and focus it on this issue. You keep animals in cages, be they tigers or turkeys, and look who winds up being the prisoner. Okay. He had a come to Jesus moment, right? That so many of us need to hear. For those of us who've been vegan, we have been trying to articulate this, you know, in a particular way, you know, should we ease into it? Let's don't hit them over the head with animal cruelty because they'll, they'll turn away. But he went there and I think he said what needed to be said. Um, I love him for this. Um, I think I agree with him. Everything he said, we have to rethink the way that we treat animals. It has to change, you know? Um, and it's, so it's a great way. It's a great reason rather to go vegan and to eat plant-based so we can let animals be free. Another great reason to go vegan is for our health. I know you've heard me talk about this here before myself and with guests. And my guest today is a nutritionist. She is a longtime vegan, and she is the manager of one of my favorite vegan restaurants in New York City, Urban Vegan Kitchen. So coming up next, we're going to go one-on-one -on -one with Samantha Bailey. Every time I see my guest uh, who's here with me today, she seems like she is filled with joy. There's always a smile on her face. I think that a big reason for that is because she loves what she does. Samantha Bailey manages one of my favorite New York City restaurants, Urban Vegan Kitchen. Their vegan chicken and waffles, <laughs> that garlicky kale on top, and their homemade maple, oh, and the vegan butter, or the seitan 
oh boy, that they do with this sauce on there that is just, and the French bread is just all good, and it's just perfect. And they're one of my favorites that I get when I'm trying to be good, the vegan uh, chicken avocado ranch salad, which I just miss it all, Samantha. But uh, in addition to managing the restaurant, you're a longtime vegan. So I just want to talk to you about everything but thank you for being on the vegan sexy cool podcast and it's good to see your face i i miss you i haven't seen your face in so long thank you i know it's been a while <laughs> see there's that smile every time i see her she is this happy <laughs> how are you how are you dealing with all of this personally at home well personally i'm i feel very fortunate um it's been quite smooth. Honestly, for me, it feels like a very nice break. And I know it's not the same for everybody. So I'm just going to enjoy that. That's what it is for me and be very grateful while it's like this. So thanks for asking though. Yeah, it's, I, I have to say the same. I, um, you know, I don't know what the future holds as far as, you know, who is going to get sick. That's, you know, me or someone close to me or money and all that kind of stuff. But for now it does feel kind of like a staycation an extended staycation and I'm really trying to focus on wellness. And because, you know, working in New York City, you know, it's just this, we're just running like, you know, it's this rat race. So you can kind of get caught up in that. So yes, it is good to have this break. And I hope that everybody is taking advantage of it. And I'm glad that all is going well with you. Let's talk about the restaurant. Um, because you guys, you know, there's so much in the news now um, with, uh, small businesses, and I, you guys are considered a, a small business, restaurants particularly struggling, um, you know, waiting on some kind of assistance, but you all are one of the ones that have managed to stay open. You kind of shifted things, and tell me what went into that whole thinking of, okay, let's do delivery and takeout, and let's, you know, also you guys are providing meals um, for, you know, essential workers as well. So tell me about business-wise, how you all shifted from what you did day-to-day -to, -day to what you're doing now. Absolutely. So first, I think what's most important is the management team. We are really a team together. It's really more than a job for a lot of us. There's heart and soul into it. So there's a core group of four of us. I should say five of us. And when we saw it going in this direction, the main owner, he told us, he's like, it's, it's going to close. Some, New York's going to close. Something's going to happen. Yeah. And so right away, he said, if we can keep some people employed, even if we can't pay some, like, let's say overhead, you know, when you talk about rent or electricity, he said, if we close, we won't be able to pay it anyway. So let's stay open. And if we can at least pay payroll, we'll keep it going. And that was one of the goals of us staying open and that, that's what we had to do so first one of the steps was to scale back who came in and um you know how many people came in at one time so we can actually afford the people who were staying the second thing was to really understand what we can actually deliver in new york they made it okay to deliver um beer and wine so that ended up really helping us yeah, right <laughs> Alcohol yes. is essential for uh, like right now. <laughs> apparently, apparently. So, um, yeah, that's what we did. We started selling our bottles of wine and our beer with our to-go orders, which really helped. Mm. And also, 
like directing people to go through our website and deliver on that platform be, uh, versus other platforms because it's through us and then there's like less overhead and then it's like that means we can continue doing what we're doing right. and also you know we just don't give up as a management team at all we always are looking for solutions. Certain um, opportunities came up during this time. One was with the Brooklyn Borough President trying to get hundreds of vegan meals out to people that needed a food. Mm -hmm. And because he has a big kind of vegan initiative, he hit up a lot of different uh, vegan restaurants, including ours. And that really helped us. That boom gave up a, a little bit more of, of a burst of income coming in for the restaurant. And currently, we were tapped to uh, work with Support and Feed, which is a very new initiative started by Billie Eilish and her mother mm. to help small businesses that are vegan during this shutdown and uh, try to keep them open by having this initiative and also donating the food outside elsewhere. So luckily, that has happened for us and we are still able to remain open. I love to hear that. Yeah, Eric Adams, the Brooklyn Borough President, is a friend of this podcast. He's been on this podcast. I've interviewed him many times. I really um, appreciate and respect, you know, what he does for the vegan community, restaurants, businesses, and just speaking out about how helpful it can be for people, particularly when it comes to their health, um, to switch to a plant-based diet. So we love Eric Adams um, so much. So I'm glad, I'm glad that all those things fell into place because, you know, I just want you to speak on what it's like um, during times like this or whether you have fallen on hard times. You know, if you were having to go to a food shelter or, you know, uh, to, to pick up food and to be someone who's made the choice to be vegan but to not have those options, to have to, you know, make the choice, well, if I'm gonna eat, I gotta just eat what's in front of me, um, which, you know, we can do, but talk about, you know, that kind of sacrifice, because to me, it's a big deal, um, my choice to be vegan. Um, you know what I mean? And so I just wonder for you, because you're out there doing so many things, you know, if you can speak on what that's like um, when you don't have a choice, but you, you'd love to have, an, you know, the option to have vegan food in front of you. Absolutely. So a couple of things. One, I'm just going to um, shout out a statistic of concerning this virus in New York City. So the mortality rate, they said 86% of those who have tested positive for COVID and passed away from it in New York City 86% had a pre-existing condition. Now, what that says to me is, in a weird way, we have an opportunity to try to get ahead of it personally with our own health. Because when I looked into the numbers, the number one and number two uh, pre-existing conditions was hypertension and type two diabetes, both of which are complete lifestyle issues. Yeah. So two things came to my mind. Well, a lot of people have more time right? And maybe they have more time to think. I mean, whether there's money or not, one of the benefits that um, having superfluous, superfluous money does for individuals, it allows people to have time to think and be creative and try something new. Yeah. Well, now we can have that space to be creative and try something new, whether you have the money or not, because we're kind of forced in this. So now we get to like learn some things. And so I know 
because not all of our employees may be vegan. And I've talked to them because I, you know, some of them are young and they might be 18 and, you know, their mom is this way and they feel this way. So I've checked in on them and their family don't eat a certain type of way. But what happens is the conversation's engaged. Yeah. And when it's engaged and we're sharing stories of like, I did this, I changed that, and then this happened. These are stories they also go back and tell their families with. And I think one of the most important things, and this is what I'm trying to do, is to tell people that statistic that I just said. Because if we choose rice and beans over steak, already we can drop those, uh, the, the propensity of getting diabetes or even start reversing it. If we can decide instead of baking eggs and cheese in the morning and instead try oatmeal or a smoothie, we're doing so much. Yeah. And when it comes to cost, if there's people out there that still have the ability to go to the grocery store, these are the cheapest foods, yeah. rice, beans, and oats. And it kills me when people say eating vegan is so expensive. I'm like, what are you talking about? Where? <laughs> That's what I say too. I'm like bananas, rice, and beans. What else? Um, and I, ha I have to say like, and people have noticed in the grocery stores when this was just starting, the foods that were gone were the rice, the beans, the pasta. And it's like, I thought you said was not feasible right oh, I guess we can kind of do it you know right right it's, it's so true and yeah you know with those ailments that you're talking about the diabetes the hypertension wait hold on oh yeah it's like what you were saying about you know heart disease diabetes hypertension all prevalent in the african-american community too yeah. we see with this COVID 19 you know the majority of the people that are dying particularly in big cities are african-americans Yes. You know, a lot of people will get it and get through it, but a lot of us are dying from it, which is scary. And so it's like now more than ever, you know, let's get through that period of, okay, let me eat all this snack food. <laughs> you know, people have been treating this like a snow day. And I'm like, you know, now is a good time yes. to lean into healthier eating, yes. to try some new things and to, to start eating plant-based. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I think a lot of people, and I want you to speak on this because I know you're, you're so knowledgeable when it comes to you know, plant-based food and so many other things, but what do you say to people who, who are like, you know, it's just so hard. I just don't know, like what advice would you give to someone who's like, I want to do this or I think I want to do this, but where do I begin? Really good question. A lot of people ask me that. And one, I would like to acknowledge that I know what the challenge is, is changing habits, no matter what. Yeah. It's not necessarily the new thing that you're doing, but it's changing from the old to the new. That's what the real challenge is. I would say the first thing to do is honestly get on the internet. On YouTube is yeah. where I started learning so much of my stuff 15 years ago. <laughs> And while there, there are people who talk about their own transitioning to veganism or plant-based living, or they talk about their ups and downs. They talk about their battles and struggles. Sometimes they're, they're kids, but they live with their parents. What does that look like? Sometimes their parents and now their kids are upset because they're changing the food. Sometimes it's something, something with uh, being in a coupled relationship. But I found a wealth of information on YouTube and then massive amounts of recipes. Yeah. And 
another thing I'd like to say is if people are really looking where to start, I have done discussions where there's individuals who literally are looking at some of the produce I bring and they don't know what it is. They have no idea what to do. So this is what I would say. Yeah. If you're fortunate enough to either have or can borrow or can purchase a rice cooker, that will do a lot. So that's one. Okay. And then number two is get instant oat packets. If you're really not a cook, these things just need hot water. You literally don't even need anything more than a microwave if you want to do that. You know, of course, stove is really great to use. But if that's what you've got, that's what you've got. There's some people who don't have kitchens, you know? Yeah. So I would say that about instant oatmeal. Boom. There's that. And then we all know what to do with bread. You want a sandwich? Easiest thing, peanut butter and jelly. You want to make it a little bit more complex? Let's put some hummus in it, some sliced avocado, season that bad boy with smoked paprika and garlic powder. Maybe saute some mushrooms and onions in it. Mm -hmm. And then once you start, then your own taste will start kicking in and you'll say, hmm, maybe I'll add some sriracha to it. Or maybe another time you might want to try, let's try something with curry instead. Let's say you've never, ever cooked. You don't even know how to cook beans. Get them in cans. They're already cooked. All you got to do is season them. Yeah. And then if all you have to do is season them, I'm going to give away the easiest tips. Salt, pepper, garlic. If that's all you do, you'll get somewhere. Yeah. And then you'll get familiar, you know? Yeah. No, I agree. I think that's all great advice. And I think the, I think the important, the most important thing you said there are changing habits. I think that people have to kind of make that decision that this is what I want to do because, you know, food can be like a drug for a lot of people. It's a, it can be a comfort, right? Let me just get some chips, man, which is vegan. So I'm all right with that. <laughs> <laughs> but there are other things that you give into. Let me have a burger. Let me give a hot, get a hot dog. Just, you know, just easy things that you you grew up eating that are so easy and that your mom cooked or, you know, or your grandma cooked. And so you, those, that gives you comfort to eat those foods. But the thing that I try to tell people all the time is, you know, just because our, our mothers and grandmothers ate that way and, and raised us that way, doesn't mean that it's right for our bodies. And we have to kind of make a decision, you know, to, to, to be our own person and not, and not, and not just kind of give in to those traditions, but start some new traditions for ourselves and for our families, you know what I mean? Not just, you know, shift it a little bit. If, 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 if Southern comfort soul food is what your family is used to putting on the table, then make vegan versions of that, make plant-based versions of that, make healthier versions of that, yeah. you know, yeah. because it just, you know, what I say to people all the time is, you know, people who are like, ah, oh, I'm not giving up my meat. And then they can't, their knees are bad. Their backs hurt from the inflammation. You know, they have all these health issues and they're not willing to kind of, you know, make that switch, which is amazing to me that people, um, but it's amazing to me, but I get it. I get it. But that's why I think it's important to have these conversations and kind of give people, you know, just kind of a guide to, I mean, what you said about, you know, getting it, if you can't cook, here's some, uh, you, you gave so many great options to just kind of, you know, making it work. Where do you fall on the whole processed uh, plant-based food, uh, you know? <laughs> thing? Okay. 
<laughs> so <laughs> there's like my ideal and my reality. Right. Um, so I will say I first got into this lifestyle by way of looking to become a healthier person. Um, that's how it started. So initially it was all about figuring out ways to cook things from scratch. Yeah. Okay. Then I was not around people in like the vegan world or the plant-based world. I used to live in Miami and that was not happening down there. And then I moved up here and I wasn't in it yet. I wasn't in that world yet. And I was doing a lot of my own stuff, my own fresh cooking from scratch. Then I started hanging around vegans. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, have you tried this vegan donut? Have you tried this vegan ice cream? Have you tried this vegan cheese? And I'm like, oh my God, let's try all of this. <laughs> and so where I am now is if you were to look in my fridge, it looks fairly good. There's some kale, there's some mushrooms, there's like soy milk. I do have, let's say, sliced vegan cheese and some like really good vegan gouda. But I look at them as treats and I treat them as such now. Yeah. And it took me a moment to get there. One of the things that I would tell, I do nutrition counseling on the side mm-hmm. to people who are very ill and I teach them how to eat for their illness. And one of the things I would tell them is 200 years ago, some of the foods that we would eat, they were feasts, but now we're feasting like three times a day instead of six times a year. Yeah. And so that's how I decided to look at like my vegan ice cream and uh things like that i'll have it it's a pint it can last me easily five weeks yeah because now i'm just like let me take four spoons spoonfuls and it's done and it's back in there and that's how i have um made that journey with the (laughs) the vegan processed foods (laughs) but i have to say in all honesty i do cook the vast majority of my time um, I eat a lot of fresh fruit. I drink smoothies almost every day. So I really do a lot of healthy habits. And so I also know nutritionally there's things I can do to offset it. But I do want to talk about one of the things you touched on about tradition and things that our mothers, or our grandmothers did or our families. Yeah. I absolutely agree with how you worded it. I used to say something very similar. Don't do, don't make, don't continue a tradition just for tradition's sake. Make sure it means something for you and for the way you look at the world. And if it does, you continue it. But if it doesn't, you can change it. And like you said, make your own. And that was something I had to mourn and then blossom from. I grew up eating certain foods. I mourned some very Jamaican dishes. And I understand. It's like part of you is almost saying that wasn't good enough. And then now what does that say about you and your family and things like that? Um, So that is really real. But then you start finding ways, as you said, to make like a vegan options of it. And I know at Urban Vegan Kitchen, that's kind of what we were trying to do. Um, Have some type of very comforty food, but so much of it's made from scratch in our restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Our waffle batter, like... Even And when it's not made from scratch, it's local. Our bread is local. The seitan is local. Yeah. So we really were trying to bring that aspect of like, let's get really tasty food that we make from scratch. So we make all the dressings, things yeah. like that. So that, yeah. That ranch dressing, man. I need some. You Let me tell. Oh. <laughs> 
You all, that was like the first time I had vegan ranch dressing on that salad that I was talking about. And no, I think I first had it when I got the fried okra and I did that, that that ranch came with it. Oh my God. I mean, half the battle, really, come on, are the sauces and the dressings. If you can get that down, if you can find a resource, whether you make it yourself or you buy things, that that can be a game changer for you. For sure. Right? For sure. Absolutely. And yeah, sauces are everything. And sometimes it can just be, hey, all you can do is open up a jar of marinara all right, you know, that's where we start. Maybe sometimes you can find a good, like, Indian madras, like, already put together. That's great. And then maybe, hopefully, as time goes on, you'll just play around with it. And then you might get the inspiration to just do it yourself from scratch, just for fun. And honestly, maybe even take this time while we're home to start playing around if you have the opportunity, if you have the ability. Um, There's something I wanted to say about pre-existing conditions and you know you mentioned earlier how black folks are dying at such a higher rate but we're being we're infected the same but it's hitting us much harder right and what i've said to people it's because like we're kind of like this big walking pre-existing condition because yeah. of a lot of reasons there's a lot of reasons for it not just one yeah and how you know, especially because some of the biggest issues that hit the Black community are issues of lifestyle. There are opportunities to change those numbers around. And then also I want to talk about a statistic I saw out of the Navy Army base that had the infection, the COVID ran like through, through the whole ship. So they tested everybody for the antibody. And what they found was 60% of people with the antibody never had a symptom at all. That's 60%. Wow. Now, it was just one ship, one little thing, but that tells me I'm pretty sure naval men have a healthier lifestyle than Americans in general, right? Yeah. I'm going to assume this. So that tells me wait, maybe we can really guard ourselves, you know? Not only can we make our outcomes better if we're infected, maybe we can be asymptomatic just by making certain changes. And if you are still able to go out and buy food at fast foods, because I've been seeing people's bodies there, this is not the time, I would say take that money instead and invest it in yourself, in your health, in your well-being, whether you buy from a grocery store or supporting a local vegan business in your neighborhood or a neighborhood nearby. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> there goes another joke. <laughs> I love that. I, I think that's that, that, it, really great information there. Let me ask you this. When you first started, when you decided for, you know, just to be healthier, to go vegan, was it tough for you? Were you all in? How did you do it? Did you gradually do it? What was the those early days like for you? We were not all in. Um, <laughs> I was super gradual. I had some real food addictions. Um, I ate everything, but I ate a lot of bad food. But I ate everything. And I was really into those fast foods and the soda. Bad. And so when I started realizing what I'm supposed to do or what I should do, I had to take it little by little. An example, 
it took me two years to just break my soda addiction. And I was actively working on it. And I guess soda's vegan, but I was trying to be healthy also. And so I was going to fast food and what I would tell myself is, okay, I won't pay for it anymore, but I'll have it if it's around. And then I got to a place where I'm like, okay, I won't just have it as around, but if it's a wedding or a party, then I will. Like I had to make all these like, these exchanges with myself just to get to a place where I could finally not want it. The yeah. same happened with cheese. The same happened with seafood. Meat was easy for me. I was never really a fan of meat anyway, so that was fine. Like yeah. growing up, if I got seconds, I never got meat with my seconds. I only ate what my mom first put on the plate. But the seafood, eggs, and dairy, that was a challenge. I, I loved eggs. Of course, you know, cheese, that is everyone's hardest because it chemically we're addicted to it. It's, yeah. it's just we're wired. And that took like three years when I decided to really work on my addiction to cheese. It took like three years. I started this journey 15 years ago. Mm. I didn't get good to like seven years ago. <laughs> That's when I was like, oh, I got it. I got it. Yeah. So I would say if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking about transitioning, there's no wrong way to do it. Yeah. The intention should be there. And just think of like making better decisions every day. And then if you, make a decision that you're not happy about. Don't beat yourself up. Just like, okay, you know, I just did that and I'll make a better one next time. Yeah. You know, I think um, a lot of people that I talk to, one of their biggest things aside from the meat is the cheese, man. They, you know, not only do they not want to give up, you know, dairy cheese, but they also are like, man, I've tried vegan cheeses and, and, and they're not good. And I, I always say to people, listen, there's a, there's so, just like there are bad dairy cheeses and bad, you know, bad, all kinds of food that's not vegan that's bad. There's bad and good yeah. vegan food. So what do you say to people who are struggling with the cheese of it all? First, I say, I understand. <laughs> um, second, I usually try to tell them it's, it takes work up front. And sometimes we, it's just like pushing through because there finally comes a time where you're like cool with it. And not only that, there, for me, there came a time when I finally was grossed out by it. And I thought, I remember the day too, where I saw something, it was like macaroni and cheese with lobster in it. And I was like, ew. And I was like, oh my God, I got to a place where I, I'm grossed out, finally. So a lot of times this is pushing through and saying no, to, like for yourself, like, no, I'm not going to do this right now. No, I'm not going to do this right now. And, you know, if the motivation, if you're scared or have a little bit of trepidation about the virus right now, I think this could be really good motivation. Like if diabetes and hypertension are the two biggest pre-existing conditions where people are dying from COVID, well, cholesterol has a role, huge role in both, and there's no cholesterol in vegan foods. Yeah. You already just like miss it just from not eating animal products. Yeah. I love that. I mean, don't even get me started. <laughs> I just like it for me, it's kind of like, I feel like I discovered, you know, this, this way to, um, I, like, I just, I feel like like at first I was just like, okay, let me be, let me become vegan. Let me get into a rhythm. And I think after about a year in, I became this person that was like, I've discovered the 
fountain of youth and I want everybody to do this right it's just like no you got you know it was like you you don't you gotta get this you know and I had to go through that transition of I remember with meeting um Eric Adams uh one of the people that works for him Rachel yes I know Rachel I love her and I talked to her about that and she was like you know you just gotta <laughs> ease into that stuff. She was like, you, you gotta let it go. She was like, everybody's not gonna do it. She said, you can advocate where you can, but you just, you know, you have to kind of ease up on that. Cause I was just like, why are you eating that? You need to go vegan. Here's why. <laughs> so I've, I've, I've calmed down considerably, but it's like, you know, just like what you were saying, you can be healthier, you can live longer, you can not just look younger, you can feel younger, yes. right? I mean, I, t I talk all the time about how, you know, before I, I became vegan, I had this inflammation in my leg, my knees, and I was like, and I was a runner for so long, and I was like, I'm not gonna be able to run anymore, and couldn't wear heels without kind of, you know, and I'm trying to wear my heels, it was like when your feet hurt from wearing heels, <laughs> but my knees but I'm trying to be out there and just kind of like you know grimace through it yeah. and it was just like all the stuff and now all that is gone gone yes gone. I have similar similar um things one I didn't realize that me going towards a plant-based lifestyle was going to make certain things go away because I thought I was normal. I didn't think that I had any issues. Mm. I didn't realize I had issues until they cleared up. So one of them was acne. Mm. And I was on medication, like a prescribed medication. So like real stuff for mm. my skin. And I got off of it determined to figure out how I can regulate it on my own. And I was about 26. And I, I mean, my face blew up, but I didn't care. I was like, I'm going to find it. I'm going to figure it out. And yeah, I started taking out da dairy and sugar were my triggers. Those were the two that did it. And then all of a sudden, like, I don't need anything. I barely like have to put soap on my face anymore. This is amazing. Yeah. That was one. And then also I didn't realize I could have better sleep. That started. Yeah. And that was interesting too. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I don't have to take an hour to fall asleep. I can fall asleep right away. This is fabulous. I don't have to, you know, take this or take that just to go to sleep. You know what I mean? I can just close my eyes and go to sleep. That's nice. Yeah. But I have to ask you because I know at one point you were doing this watermelon um, challenge thing where you were just eating. Yes. Tell people about that because I, I want to talk a little bit, not just about that, but I want to talk about things that people can do um, to, to boost their immune systems at, okay. in this moment. And if you have any suggestions for what kind of things we should be buying specifically for that. But tell, tell them about this watermelon challenge because you were like eating just watermelon for how many days? Um, gosh, I don't know when it was when I discussed it with you, but it was at least six days, maybe more than that. So I'm really into health and I'm like, how can we be even like stronger and have more energy and have better vision? And I got into the world of cleansing and detox. And this was one way of doing it. There's many ways. Mm -hmm. And, but this one seemed more feasible than like a water fast or juice cleanse because I got to still eat. And the idea was if you simplify it down to one type of food, then your body doesn't have to do all this work. So you'll still get the benefits of like the added energy. Yeah. And it, it was incredible. 
it, it felt so good. Now I'm not going to say everyone should do that because, um, you know, I've been doing healthy habits for a while. I think for some people, if they're like eating burgers and fries all the time and they try to do it, I think they'll have really bad detox symptoms. I think it'll be really hard, but that's just me. And that's where I am in my life and I'm into it. But if you're looking to boost your immune system, um, so your body is more guarded against viruses and bacteria and colds. There's few things I can definitely recommend. One, there should be a couple of teas you always have in your cabinet. Echinacea, which boosts the immune system. And holy basil, which acts like an antiviral and acts like an antibacterial. Um, they should just be there, period, point blank, just in case. If you have a tickle in your throat, run to get one of those teas. Also, having ginger around is pretty helpful. You can get the ginger root, slice it up and boil it. Or if you don't want to do all that, just buy ginger tea bags. Mm -hmm. And they do very much a similar thing. And these really promote um, anti-inflammatory properties. So if you are having, let's say, asthmatic time, that's inflammation in your lungs. Yeah. If you drink that on a regular basis, it can help your own body calm down that inflammation that's going on. It also helps with inflammation in your joints and other places as well. Um, another thing, greens. Eating greens any way, shape, or form. They could be frozen, they could be fresh, they could be leaves, they can just be broccoli. Have them in your, in your life, in your world, eat them regularly, that will really um, boost. Also, two things to stay away from at all costs if you're looking to build up your immune system processed sugar mm. the whole thing that's a whole thing mm. and dairy get off of that especially if you're black we are very lactose intolerant whether we know it or not there are things going on once you ingest it leading to other things not working properly in our bodies and we tend to have more estrogen receptors in our cells than other groups of people and so the effects of dairy on us the negative effects are much more strong this is one of the reasons why we are a walking pre-existing condition yeah. but as a whole other like hour <laughs> but these are ways to build up your immune system I love that, Sam. I love your knowledge. I love your energy. I, you know, I love that you are just on this planet and I'm so happy to know you. I want to let people know if they're in the New York City area, how they can support Urban Vegan Kitchen. What should they do? All right. So if you're in the New York area, if you are mobile and moving around, we're in the West Village. You can find us at 41 Carmine between Bedford and Bleecker. If you happen to live in that area or you're quarantining with a friend in that area, you can definitely go to our website and order from Chow Now off of our website. Uh, other than that, follow us on Instagram. It's Urban Vegan Kitchen. Um, we're always posting things, sometimes things about the restaurant, sometimes things about other stuff. And if you're interested, hopefully when this stuff starts to open back up, you'll give us a try if you're new. And if you've been here before, we'd love to see your face again. Yeah, not only great food at Urban Vegan Kitchen, but great cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> great cocktails. Oh my God. I love the bar bartending staff there at the restaurant. They're so knowledgeable and friendly. It's just like everybody in that place is so happy. And for you on social media, it's Sam Eats Plants. So I'm on social media personally at Sam Eats Plants. And it's just a little bit of chronicles of my own life. Sometimes food, sometimes my kids, sometimes I don't know what, you know, but uh, every now and then I will talk about Urban Vegan Kitchen too. 
All right. Well, Sam, thank you so much for being on the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. This has been great. And you know, you're going to come back. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well. Hey, everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Vegan Sexy Cool podcast. Uh, Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. Let us know if you like what you heard here. Let us know some of what you would like to hear and we'll get to that. Also, follow us on social media. We're at Vegan Sexy Cool Everywhere. And please join our new Facebook group, the Vegan Sexy Cool Squad, where we are talking about all things vegan to help you and encourage you on your journey. So hopefully you'll join us there, maybe share some recipes you've been trying, share some of the things that you've been struggling with. We are there to help each other. It is a community. So go to Facebook, there's the Vegan Sexy Cool page, and then there is the Facebook group the vegan sexy, well, not the, just vegan sexy cool. No, it is the, the vegan sexy cool squad. (laughs) I gotta get my shit together. All right. So join us, you guys. And thanks again for listening here. Thanks to my guest, Samantha Bailey. If you're in New York, um, you can order out from the Urban Vegan Kitchen right now. They do delivery, I think in a limited area. Um, But hopefully things will get back to whatever the new normal is, and they'll be open for business. And when you are in New York, you can dine in. Hey, everybody, I'm Jackie Reed. Until next time, stay safe and sane, and I am wishing you wellness.